As a church, as you know, we've been reading through the Gospel of Mark now for 10 weeks. 10 weeks, can you believe it? And if you have been using that little reading guide that I wrote to help with this experience, I'll bet you've noticed the shift. I bet you've noticed in this past 8th, ninth, and now 10th chapter that Jesus and his disciples and the story had begun to turn. Now they're on the way to Jerusalem. Now they're heading for a showdown with the religious leaders, a showdown which will culminate in Jesus' death on the cross. Things are getting serious, critical. And today we find Jesus in Mark 10 teaching with urgency. As we come to this important teaching, let us pray. God, we thank you for all of the blessings of this life, but right now in particular for the blessings of your word. Be with us, silence in us any voice but yours, and help us to hear what you would say to us today. Amen. People were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, and he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to Jesus, Teacher, I have kept all of these since my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said, you lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked, and he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I know a little one named James. James is the grandson of a dear friend. He's a four-year-old bundle of energy and intensity. I was there the day he was born, and I've had the joy of watching him grow. Now, James is the youngest brother in a very loving family, so he has never lacked for attention. And because of his personality, because it's large and powerful, he knows how to get what he needs. As a little guy, when he needed attention or comfort or just wanted to make himself known, he would just kind of sidle up to your leg and do this. He wouldn't say anything. He wouldn't give you any eye contact. He would just do this. And he would wait because he knew 
eventually you would scoop him up in your arms and you would carry him. And because I often went with my friend on her grandma night with her grandsons, and because the oldest grandson always had to sit in grandma's lap, guess what I got? James would just sidle up to me and do this. And even though I was the second string little boy carrier, I would pick him up every time. This morning, we read a familiar gospel story. It's the time when Jesus swooped little children into his arms and blessed them. And we love this story, right? We love it so much that we have captured it in art. Art like this. In Bibles, in Sunday school classrooms, even in stained glass windows. You recognize these pictures? I think this one was in my Bible as a child. And I think this one was on the wall of my Sunday school classroom about, oh, 40 years ago. No, 50 years ago, if I'm going to be honest, right? These pictures are wonderful, they're warm, and honestly, they're schmaltzy, right? But don't be fooled. Don't be fooled into thinking that this is a simple story about Jesus loving on children. Don't be fooled into thinking that as Jesus heads to Jerusalem and to the cross, that he doesn't have a more important lesson for us all. Now, before I completely ruin this precious little Bible story, let me say Jesus does love children, okay? Um... Surely you've seen that as you've been reading through the Gospel of Mark. Remember, he went out of his way to raise Jairus' daughter in chapter 5. Then he healed the Syrophoenician woman's daughter in chapter 7. There was the epileptic boy who got healed in chapter 9. In a society that devalued children, Jesus continually welcomes and blesses, heals, and loves them. But here in the 10th chapter... As Jesus forbids the disciples from gatekeeping children out of his presence, as Jesus welcomes and blesses children in front of his followers, this moment that we tend to make into sentimental Sunday school posters, this moment is about so much more than Jesus' love for children. When Jesus sees the disciples speaking sternly to the children and those bringing them, he becomes angry. He becomes indignant. In Greek, he becomes grieved with deep pain. Jesus grieves with deep pain because he's watching his disciples presume to turn children away, presume to know what matters to God and who belongs in the presence of God. Jesus grieves with deep pain because time is growing short and the disciples, they still don't understand You see, not long ago, it was just in the ninth chapter of Mark, when Jesus overheard his disciples arguing about their own greatness. Do you remember what happened? Jesus said, whoever of you wants to be first, you're going to have to be last and servant of all. And that's when he took a child, put it among them, took it into his arms and said, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. How quickly the disciples forget. So grieving and in deep pain, Jesus takes 
the children his disciples turned away in his arms. He blesses them and then teaches them this critical lesson. The critical lesson for his disciples and a lesson for each of us. This is the kingdom of God, Jesus says. This is the kingdom and you've missed it. These children are the kingdom of God and you cannot see it. These children are role models for you, says Jesus. They're role models for entering the kingdom, for accepting the kingdom, for sharing the kingdom. And it's not because they're cute, even though they are. It's not because they're innocent, even though they can be. It's because they are needy. It's because they're dependent. They're vulnerable. They're unable, unable to help themselves. This is the kingdom of God. And this is how you enter the kingdom of God. You must be like one of these. You must know your need. You must understand that your own power, your own intelligence, your own character, your own ability will never give you what you need, what you long for. No, says Jesus, no. There's only one way into the kingdom of God and that is to be carried like a child. Right on cue comes a wealthy man, an earnest man, a good and moral man. He comes and kneels before Jesus, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How do I enter the kingdom? He's kept the law. He has attended to his religious duties. He is financially secure. These things have carried him since childhood, he says. But something's missing. Something holds him back. And scripture says that in that moment, Jesus loved him. And with the strong demands of love, Jesus invites the man to let go of what carries him. Let go of the financial security you hold so tightly. Let go of the religious checklist you live by. Let go and follow me, says Jesus. Draw close to me. Let me carry you as I have carried these small children because that's how you enter the kingdom of God. Scripture says that the man was shocked or saddened or literally his countenance fell, and he left grieving. Grieving. Just as Jesus grieved over his disciples, this rich man grieves because he's missed the kingdom as well. Friends, do you see God's profound lesson for us? Do you see that more is happening here than Jesus loving on children and hating on money? Now, these stories are about blessing, real blessing, profound blessing, the blessing of recognizing God's work and God's power in front of us, and the blessing of being included in what God is doing. That means that these stories are here to help us question our presumption and our self-satisfaction These stories challenge us to consider that what carries us to healing, to hope, 
to mercy, to joy, isn't what we own. It isn't what we know. It isn't what we can do. No, my friends, what carries us into God's kingdom, into God's presence, into God's work, God's way of life, is our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus could say in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are the hungry and thirsty, those who are persecuted, because these, these know that they must be carried by Jesus. These, like little children, know that they cannot make it on their own. These are the ones willing to let go and be carried, and of such is the kingdom of God. When Al and I were young pastors, we had a young man in our congregation, and his name was Jimmy. Jimmy was a permanent fixture at our church. If the doors were open, Jimmy would probably be there. He had Down syndrome. He was affectionate, playful, and he loved being at church. And that congregation, they loved on him and they accepted him. When he shouted hooray after a great piece of music right in the middle of worship, well, we just smiled. And when he decided that he was going to stand next to the pastor at the back of the church and shake everyone's hand at the end of the service, we all just said, well, why not? You know, it was the late 80s, and sensitivities back then, they weren't as great when it came to dealing with adults with special needs. And Alan and I, we were proud of our congregation, the way that it accepted and included Jimmy. Then one Sunday morning, Jimmy went far beyond being accepted and included. One Sunday morning, Jimmy carried us into the kingdom of God. It was Super Bowl Sunday, and I was the preacher that day, and I was trying to preach a sermon using an extended football metaphor. Really bad idea, actually. My idea was that I was going to ask the congregation to move from the sidelines of ministry and to get into the game, right? So that they could teach and serve and start living the gospel. That was the point of the sermon. I still kind of remember my corny catchphrase for the sermon. I got to this kind of dramatic part of the sermon, and I was walking up and down the chancel out of the pulpit with a football in my hand, okay? I thought I was so cool, right? And I was walking up and down trying to make my point that we all need to get off the sidelines and get in the game. And I'd, I'd say something like this, like, um, our youth group has grown, and we need four more adults to make a weekly commitment to be with our youth. Who wants the ball, right? And everyone just smiled and nodded. And I, I kept going, you know, because I, I thought I was doing a pretty good job, you know, saying things like, our community food pantry, it needs to go from four days a week to six days a week. It's going to take 10 more volunteers. Who wants the ball, you know? Well, I got going. I was having a lot of fun. I was thinking of all kinds of ways that the congregation could get involved about the fifth question, rhetorical question like that, who's got the ball? I noticed Jimmy. He's standing way in the back of the sanctuary. No one else can see him, but I can. And he's going like this. 
<laughs> I'm doing so well, I ignore him for a little bit, right? Because I got more things to say. And he got frustrated. And finally he said, Pastor Stacy, Pastor Stacy, I'll take the ball. Well, time stood still. The room got real, real quiet. The most childlike adult in the room was listening to the sermon and responding. Not just responding to a rhetorical question, but responding to the demand of the gospel. With wonder and excitement, he was ready to take the ball and to run. Jimmy was a role model teaching us how to accept the kingdom of God. But Jimmy was also, for a brief moment there, carrying us into the kingdom of God. And I had a problem. Because you see, the sanctuary was about this long, and I cannot throw a football. <laughs> Friends, Jesus calls each of us no matter how old and distinguished, to come like children, to come needy, to come vulnerable, to come with wonder and delight, with no presumption or entitlement, but to come and to be carried. Jesus calls us to be carried by his love, to be carried by his death, to be carried by his resurrection to be carried into the kingdom of God where we will begin to know the joy of carrying others. Come like a child. That's how the kingdom of God works. Will you pray with me? Enlarge the door, Father, because we cannot pass. You make it for children and we have grown big. We've grown big with self-importance. We've grown big with our possessions. We've grown big with what we know and what we think and what we plan. If you don't enlarge the door, God, then make us smaller. Slow us down and open our eyes. Help us to see that every breath we take and every song we sing come from you and that you carry us whether we know it or not. Make us smaller and show us the way. Amen.